Yay! Thank you. Good morning. I'm going to ask our mission team, come on up, because you got to see this lovely group of people. Um, good morning. Today, as Anna said, we are just continuing what does it look, uh, look like to be outward facing to the world. And uh, I want to introduce this amazing team of people to you. Some of us have been journeying for 40 years together, some of us for 20 plus years together, many of us for 10 or 15. This is the longest standing volunteer team of, in BC history right here, this mission team. So give them a hand. <clears throat> and these guys, we meet like weekly. Uh, I mean, we're talking the real deal here. They're not messing around. So uh, you're going to get to hear from some of these guys in just a minute. This is Michelle Carter. Oh, the other thing I, it, it's cool is every one of these guys uh, has, has served overseas in some type of capacity, long-term, mid-term, um, except for me. So, I, But I've taken the gospel to 50 nations by the grace of God. So there you go. <clears throat> Take that. Uh, just kidding. Michelle Carter, she currently works with uh, In His Image and um, served in China, Japan. Yeah, Japan, China, Malawi. Josh Mosby, who is our fearless leader and leads this team and is amazing. Um, this guy uh, has a passion for the nation, served in India for several years. Sherry Gurney, many of you know our beloved Sherry. She's our prayer warrior, and Sherry uh, helps us to stay focused on loving uh, just the nations and loving the people who are serving the nations, and so we love her. Um, she served in Tanzania, Africa, all over with her husband, Tom, for many, many years, and so you want this lady on your team praying. Jerry and Ann Lau, many of you know Jerry and Ann, yep. These guys uh, served in Africa for many, many years, came home and started serving international students on the TU campus and have done just, have, have given their lives for the cause of missions. And then, and this guy, I don't know, what's your name, sir? Uh, Victor Cruz. No comprendo. No, no comprendo. <laughs> we, we went on missions together. I was a freshman, he was a sophomore, and, and the rest is history. So... There you have it. And Mr. Dane, gorgeous Lucas right here. This is the man. Dane served in Japan and has a passion to raise up missionaries um, and mobilize missionaries to go and share the gospel until there is no place left. Amen? So give these guys one more hand. Um, some of them are going to stay up here. Some of them are going to come back down. Uh, we'll be back up in a minute. And I've just got a few minutes here. Uh, to set up where, where we're at. So uh, just real quickly, let's, let's make this an official sermon. Let's have a couple of scriptures here for you guys so it's legit and you won't accuse us of heresy, okay? Uh, why missions? Why is missions so important? Our vision is to be near Jesus and to be like Jesus. So we do mission because we want to be near Jesus. If you want to know where Jesus is, go where the lost are. Go where the poor are, the broken are, the hurting are, and you will find Jesus there. Amen? If you want to be like Jesus, 
do what Jesus did. He said, greater stuff, are you, gonna, you guys are going to do greater things than I'm doing, right? And so collectively as a body, we want to see what we've done. So Jesus told us in Matthew 28, he said, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I'm telling you, go and make disciples of all nations, gather them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. If, if, if being near and like Jesus is the why, this is the what. What do we do? We make disciples who make disciples, right? And where do we do it? Well, you guys know this scripture, Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To do what? Power to be witnesses. Where? Everywhere, right? Jerusalem, your own city, your backyard, your neighborhood. Judea, you know, all of Oklahoma, Samaria, Arkansas, or whichever state you don't like. That's your Samaria, okay? And to the ends of the earth, right? The nations are calling us, friends. So that's the why, the what, and the where of missions. Now, what does the face of missions look like over the last 20 years? Before we talk about where we're going, let me just give you a little picture of where we've been. Because the face of missions at BC looks so beautiful, but so varied. What can happen when a community like ours obeys the Great Commission? Well, it turns out that quite a bit can happen. A lot can happen. Over the last 20 years, this body of believers has taken the gospel around the globe to nearly every continent. Um, Keith Wheeler's even been to Antarctica, so we get to claim Antarctica. That's pretty good. But through, um, through all kinds of means and methods, friends, through short-term missions, uh, we've sent thousands of missionaries to dozens of countries and seen thousands of people come to Christ over the last 20 years. We raised up a, a short-term mission organization called Believer's World Outreach. Many, some of you may have gone on trips. How many of you have ever been on a short-term mission trip, whether with Believer's, with O-T-T-O-M? Oh, look, good. Look at you people. Ra- raise your hands again. Everybody look around. Okay, that's awesome. If you haven't been on one, talk to, to one of these people, raise their hand and say, hey, man, how was it? Pray about going on a short-term mission trip. I'm already getting to the end. Um, through, through things uh, with, we, we partner with, you know, one to the other. And it's simply an opportunity to get your, your, your feet wet, to get your hands dirty, and to get your hearts and passion for the engaging lostness. That's all it's about. And so the face of missions looks, can look like a, a young uh, gal who many of you may remember, Kelly Tietzort. She was on staff here. She was a young adult. She went on a short-term mission trip. She was sitting across this walled uh, two-block area called Boys Town in Reynosa, Mexico, filled with prostitutes and drug addicts. And she said, God, why don't you send somebody to deal with this and take care of it? And God said, as he often does, well, why don't you? So Kelly moved down to Boys Town and spent the next five to seven years of her life rescuing drug addicts and, pro- and, and prostitutes and sharing the gospel. That all came out of a short-term mission trip and prayer. You know, it can look like, now we have people all over the place. You'll hear a little bit more about. One of the things that I loved was when we began this building project, this campaign in, in the early 2000s, we committed to tie 10% to reach unreached people groups. And, 
it looks like guys like Chip Carroll who, who connected us with a strategic partner in South Africa. And we began praying for the next three to five years, spending our resources, time, and energy in launching a church planning movement in northern Mozambique where we saw over 100 churches that have been planted by now. There's probably uh, multiple hundreds of churches that have been planted through the Lake to Sea project, all because of, of our efforts together, right? And then I want to just say that it can look like uh, strategic partnerships with other mission-minded movements like 24-7 prayer or all nations or, or guys who we, we've had consultants come like Blake McDaniels with advancing missions and helping us as a church. How do we be more strategic? How do we reach unreached people groups? How do we take the gospel? Now I want to say this, missions also looks like Maxine Waters over here who, um, uh, is a dearly beloved member of our family and has mobility issues. And so she can't go to the nations. But what she can do is share the gospel with her healthcare, home health care uh, uh, helper, Jasmine. And Jasmine starts coming to church, gets baptized, and is now serving children in our children's ministry, right? Come on. That's the kind of stuff. It can look like Wayne and Carol MacArthur, who, who were pastors for many years, and, and then started mobilizing and serving international students, welcoming them. I mean, the face of missions can look so different and so vast and so beautiful, and it has for many, many years here. And, and the last thing I just want to say, I started thinking about it. This body of believers in the last 20 years, we have invested financially over four and a half million dollars in missions. Come on. That's awesome, right? So that's what missions has looked like in the past. And I'm going to turn it over to Josh to let him talk about where we are today and, and uh, where we want to go. So thank you, guys. Okay. Good morning. Um, okay. So I want to show you a map of where our missionaries are located around the world. Uh, we have uh, 26 missionaries serving in 11 countries on almost every continent. Uh, Keith Wheeler went to Antarctica a short time, but we're looking for people to go long term. Uh, I hear that people's hearts are pretty cold there, by the way. <clears throat> got a dad I had to fit it in somewhere. Might as well fit it in the beginning, right? Okay, so we put a short video together that uh, shows you the faces of most of our missionaries and where they're located and what they're up to. So let's have a quick look at that video.
Okay. So we are extremely proud of all of our missionaries. They pour themselves out every single day, some of them in very hard places. And we've been discerning as a mission council how we can best come alongside our missionaries uh, so that they feel seen and heard and connected to with the body here. And so I want to invite Michelle up here to share a little bit about what we're doing uh, to best uh, take care of our missionaries. Michelle and Josephine. Good morning. I'm Michelle. This is Josephine. Um, I'm actually, I'm really honored to be with Josephine right now because she actually served on the Missions Council for a few years. Um, and actually, she had this vision for what we're going about to talk about, which is the Advocacy Project. Thanks, Roger. Um, she had the original vision for this um, before her and her family actually got sent overseas themselves. Um, and then got to experience it on the receiving end of what it looks like. So I'm just going to give a little context for what the advocacy project is first, um, and then she'll actually share a testimony of, of how she got experience um, support from, from us as a church while overseas. Um, so the advocacy project, um, basically we have a goal for each missionary to have their own advocate. Um, an advocate is one that develops or already has a deep friendship um, to bridge the gap between our missionaries and the field uh, to our BC community through communication, connection, and prayer covering. So for those three C's, you're going to see them up on the screen right here. Communicate. Um, we ask our advocates to engage in regular communication with your BC missionary and with BC community. At the heart of an advocate is just a great friend, someone who can listen, someone who can encourage. That's the main skills that we're asking of our advocates. Um, on top of that, you, as you connect regularly with your missionary, you might have a better pulse on what their needs are, even before we as a missions council team might know. So if you see a critical need, you can pass those back to us. But also, you're basically like a living uh, newsletter update. You know, raise your hand if you ever get an email from a missionary saying, oh, this is what's happening. Awesome. So as a missions advocate, you are, are basically a living letter um, letting, know, letting our community know what's going on um, in people's lives. Um, secondly, connect. We ask that um, our advocates know or inquire about resources available to BC missionaries. Um, maybe the missionaries are needing some pastoral care. Maybe they're needing uh, some extra training. Um, maybe, you know, they're, they're people just like us, but serving overseas, so maybe they just need some counseling. We have resources at BC, and um, as an advocate, you can help connect them uh, to the resources. Finally, cover. We got some alliteration going on, so we threw in cover and prayer. Champion regular prayer for your BC missionary. As an advocate, um, you can uh, pray yourself. You can gather a team to pray. You can say, hey, you know, next Sunday at 9 o'clock, we're going to meet all together before church and pray specifically for these needs. Um, so those are the three ways that um, uh, advocates can participate. So Josephine, again, you guys served overseas and found yourself in a place that we're needing support from the church. Can you share a story um, just to, to build up our body? Yeah. Yeah, Michelle, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, we have um, so many touch points, our family. Our family, we have a family of six. 
my husband and I and our four kids were sent to Central Asia to do medical missions. And we have lots of touch points where um, believers came and did these three things. They communicated with us, they connected with us, and they covered us with prayer. Um, and I could go on and on and on and share all those stories, but for everybody's sake of time, I'll only share one. Um, in the spring of 2020, I'm not for sure if you remember, but there was a small virus that overtook the world. <laughs> and when I say it overtook the world, I mean it literally took over the world. It didn't just take over America. And so when we were living in Central Asia at that time, COVID um, devastated our country. And our country responded in a very strict way. We had immense strict lockdowns, which meant that our four children um, were not allowed to leave our apartment. It was against the law for them to walk out the door for four, for four months. Um, we, had, um, we had police officers and cars patrolling around the city announcing through megaphones, do not leave your apartment or we will arrest you. And um, we had heard of stories of people just being arrested by walking their dogs um, during that time. Also at the same time, the military had taken all their tanks and had surrounded our city. So no one was allowed to leave the city to go to the airport. Uh, the airport was closed anyways, um, or to be able to come into the city. So we were on complete and strict lockdown. So if you can imagine, we were kind of in a little bit of a rough spot. We didn't realize that um, we were going to be sent to Central Asia and be isolate, quite isolated in our, in our home. Well, at the same time, you all were in the middle of pivoting from being in church to going online. So the Fosters and the Argerbrights were leading our um, small group that we had been a part of before we went to Central Asia, and they reached out to us. They were like, hey, we realize that you're 11 hours ahead of us, but if we can try to figure out a time where we're both awake, then why don't we zoom in together? And when we're meeting, you guys go ahead and meet. And so it might have looked like in reality that our family was quite isolated, that we were alone in our apartment, that we were surrounded by police and military tanks, and we had no way out. But that was not our reality. Our reality was that we were cared for, that we were being connected with, he, with our church here and believers, and that we were being covered by prayer from you all. And so that was probably, I mean, that was huge um, for us because we knew that that was the moment that God sent us for Central Asia. And if we didn't have that, that Zoom, you know, at our kitchen table every Saturday morning, I don't, know, I don't know if we would have made it. Like that was part of the fuel and the energy that went forward for us to be able to do the work that God had for us. Um, as someone who is sent from this community, you have to understand that we see ourselves as an extension of you that we are not just an entity that goes away, that we are a part of you, and you all matter to us. And so when we are connected for, connected with the body, like it speaks such life to us, and that this balance is not supposed to be out of order. Like we also care about you all, that we need to be able to see your faces. We need to know, like, what are you guys doing, and how can we be praying and lifting you all up too? So thank you guys so much. Thanks, Josephine. I love how, you know, as we say um, on the council date, we're, it sounded like they were like a lifeline, truly, um, to encourage and say, hey, you're not just going by yourselves. We're going to go, in a sense, 
<laughs> with you and support you in that extension. So um, the, the beautiful thing about advocates, they're not only connecting to the mission, to missionaries themselves directly, but they're helping us as a church be involved in missions, just as Josephine was saying. So this next slide right here is going to show how you can get involved. Um, number one, you can become an advocate, you know, and help facilitate those three C's. Another huge need we have, actually, let me just talk about advocacy really fast. Right now, praise God, we have almost an advocate for almost every one of our missionaries, which is huge. We have 26 missionaries, so that's on, awesome. We do have a need for a few more. A huge need that we have is encourage your small group to adopt a missionary. Our hope is that each missionary, each missionary family has at least one small group, if not a couple small groups, who are, um, who, yeah, who adopt a missionary. They are tracking regularly. They're getting those updates. They're regularly praying for. So that way when the families come back to Tulsa, whether it's on furlough or they're transitioning back to the States, they have, you know, out of this, this huge group of people, they have, you know, like 10 people who says, hey, hey, Lou family, we know you. We've been tracking with you guys the last couple of years. Welcome home. How can we help you? So that is our hope. Um, secondly, um, if, if you're not yet in a small group, there's still ways to be a part. Ask an advocate how you can support through prayer or other ways. Maybe you would like to be in charge of, of birthday cards. Just tracking to make sure that that partner or our um, missionary family, um, that they all get acknowledged on their birthday and get, and get celebrated on their birthday. So wh what unique way can you help uh, support? We'd love to hear more. Um, finally, last thing is notify um, the BC Missions Council about resources you can help provide. Uh, maybe you're a hairstylist and say, hey, when a missionary family comes back, I'd love to give everyone haircuts. Um, things like that. Think, think outside the box. If you, have, if you know you're going to be gone for two weeks during the summer and your house is available, let us know. If you would like a missionary family, they come back and have needs all the time. Um, so if you have a unique need, uh, excuse me, a unique resources you can help provide, let us know. Now, I know some of us have been serving um, as an advocate, have served as an advocate, or you were a small group uh, leader who has adopted a missionary. If you are, could you just stand up today so we can just acknowledge you guys? There's a few. There hasn't it. They're coming. Yay. Thank you, guys. So... These guys have been, um, a lot of them have been at it for over a year, and we're just so grateful for them. You can talk to them. You can talk to us afterwards. If you are interested in becoming an advocate or getting more involved through one of these ways, please let us know. And again, Josephine, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Josephine. Okay, so up to this point, we've um, looked at, you know, the history of missions at BC, the current state, and uh, how we can come alongside our missionaries. And now we're going to look uh, forward, like what's next for Believer's Church in missions. And um, I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation for where we're heading, and then I'm going to throw it over to my good buddy here, Dane, to share some of the practical stuff. Um, so, here we go. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of a people group? Okay, some of us. Okay, good. So a people group is the largest population within which the gospel can spread as a movement without encountering any barriers. So barriers such as language barriers, cultural barriers, things like that. And according to the Joshua Project, which is a website, 
uh, there are 17,432 people groups on the planet. Okay, that's a lot, right? Uh, so even though there's 193 countries in the world, there are 17,432 unique people groups residing in these countries. And to kind of put that into perspective, uh, a year ago we welcomed 850 Afghan refugees to Tulsa, right? That was not one people group. That was multiple people groups. There was a couple of different languages, multiple tribes. They didn't all necessarily get along. Um, so that's a people group. And Roger shared earlier the, uh, the Great Commission about taking the gospel or making disciples of all nations. Nations, that word nations doesn't mean countries. It means people groups. Jesus was saying, make disciples of all 17,432 people groups on the planet. So, next, unreached people groups. So, an unreached people group is a group of people without enough Christians to evangelize the rest of the group without outside assistance. And again, according to the Joshua Project, there are 7,402 unreached people groups. And these are people with no Bibles, no churches, no nearby believers. Uh, they are pretty much cut off from access to the gospel. Most of these unreached people groups live in this part of the world. It's called the 1040 window, and it's called that because it's that area of the world between 10 degrees north latitude and 40 degrees north latitude. And it stretches from North Africa, across the Middle East, uh, across India, China, um, and about 96% of unreached people groups live within this part of the world, okay? Surprisingly, however, um, about 3% of foreign missionaries are working within this part of the world. And there's a reason for that, right? I mean, th this is not exactly an easy part of the world to live in. I just noticed that the uh, map didn't show up. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's not an easy place to live in. It's a hard place to access. Some of these people don't necessarily want you there. Um, but it is the final frontier of missions. Um, I want to share a scripture with you, one of my favorite uh, scriptures on the Great Commission. Uh, but before I share it, I want to lay kind of a, a foundation or what happens leading up to this statement that Jesus makes. Um, so he's, it's the final days before he's crucified, and he's, talk, or he's explaining to his disciples that things are going to get much worse in the world before they get better. And this is the time frame that we're living within right now. He said there's going to be wars, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be famines, sin is going to be rampant, and the love of many is going to grow cold. So after saying all that, he says this, but... This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all people groups, and then the end will come. So he's saying that all 17,432 people groups on the planet will have an opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel, and then the end will come. Now, if my wife was standing up here with me, she would rip the mic out of my hands, and uh, she would ask you, 
Do you want to see the return of Christ in all of his power and in all of his glory? How many of you would love to see that? Yeah. And then she would say, if you want to see the return of Christ, we first have to take the gospel to the remaining 7,402 people groups on the planet. Um, and then the end will come. Speaking of the end, Revelation 7:9, John gives us a glimpse into heaven, and this is what he sees. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So this is, this is how the story ends. This is how it ultimately ends. It's just a matter of time. Uh, and so in light of these realities, we as a mission council um, have prayerfully um, put together a mission statement uh, for missions at Believer's Church. And here it is. To shepherd, send, and support the Believer's Church family to make disciples of all nations with a priority on establishing the church among the unreached for the glory of God. So this is where we're, where we're heading, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, so before I hand it over to Dane to kind of share some of the practical stuff with us, I want to I end with a quote. Um, this is a guy named Kevin DeYoung from the Gospel Coalition. He said this. I think he summarizes it well. He says, God's express plan, plan for history is to create a thriving church in every people group on the planet. So we are not just after the greatest number of people saved, we are also pursuing the particular shape Christ has declared that he wants for his body, people of every tribe and tongue. God has declared that he wants heaven to consist of people of every tribe and tongue, and that history cannot end until that happens. For many unreached people groups, there are no current plans for missionaries to bring them the gospel. Christ has done the work to save them, but they have to hear about it before it can benefit them. There are thousands of unreached people groups around the world where no one has yet gone, and no one is in line to go. It's the Father's heart, and he said, tells us in Second Peter that he's not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Romans says, how can, we call, how can they call on him to save them if they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless someone proclaims? And how can someone proclaim unless they're sent? And this is kind of where Paul's heart was. He said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is not yet known. Because of the Father's heart. For the remaining unreached people groups. And the remaining unengaged unreached people groups that still haven't. There, there's... Even out of the unreached people groups of 7,000, there's about 3,000 unengaged unreached people groups that have never heard of Jesus for the first time. There's no known believer, no Christian witness, no access to the gospel. It's so powerful and beautiful that we get to be a part of this gap time in history where the gospel's gone forth to the nations, the end will come, all tongues, all tribes, all nations will be know about Jesus and worship him. And we get to participate in this gap time to finish the task. It's too much. It's too good. It's too awesome. It's too beautiful. This is a holy invitation. And this is worth our lives, isn't it? 
so as a, as a mission council, we've prepared what we wanted to try to, how can we be strategic together as a community and as a church, not only to support our current missionaries, and we want to care for them and support them well, because that's important and valuable, and we've got to have strong missionaries to have strong mission presence where we do now. But we also want to be strategic about sending people and engaging these unengaged, unreached people groups and these unreached people groups throughout the world. So part of our arm is the advocacy side, and part of it is this pioneering, let's finish the task side. So there's a a missions track that we've developed to help onboard and expose people, get them trained and involved, and then get them sent and participating in that pioneering side as well. There's three phases to that. There's the explore phase. There's the um, uh, explore, prepare, and send. So the explore phase, obviously we just want to explore. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of things God puts, has put on everyone's heart. What does he put in your heart? What is going on in the world? What is our body doing? Lots of opportunities to explore and discover God's heart for missions and the role that he's created you to play. So we have lots of opportunities. We'll have trainings. We'll have um, workshops. We'll have lots of um, short-term trips, lots of things for you to explore God's heart. Once you explore that, then we want to provide some real training to be able to prepare people to go. We want people to be sent that are competent in the skills of mission and ministry and are, have some confidence. They've done the stuff. They know how it works. They've taken some hard knocks. They can go to the field a bit prepared and be able to do this stuff. So we want everybody, though, to become trained as a, to live in as ambassador of Jesus. So whether you're staying in the United States, we want you trained as an ambassador to share with your family, to share with your friends, to be a missionary in your job, right? To be in your neighborhoods. But we'll also train people to send them to the nations. And we want to train people holistically. So we have skills and or we have resources and trainings uh, developed in, in going on in our church right now to help train people in their head, have good theological sound training, to help train people in their heart, because out of the overflow of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks, and out of the heart directs the course of life. So we need to be trained in our heart and then our hands. So we actually know some real practical skills that we can do. So we want to. Um, explore, expose people and help them, help them explore. We want to prepare you and train you holistically, and then we do want to send you and launch you. Uh, so again, if that's in your neighborhood, if that's in your workplace, that's going to be great. That's going to be the majority of us. But there's some of us that you're going to get a call from the Lord, and you're going to get launched overseas. Sometimes that's short-term, mid-term, or long-term, but we want to send you and launch you overseas. So that's our general mission track. You can go on our website and find some more details about how that happens. Uh, we, we, we tailor a training for everybody. Maybe that's three months, depending on your background. Maybe it's three years. But we want everyone to be adequately and, and trained to do this stuff. The other really fun thing about this is trying to be strategic in engaging unreached people groups. We begin to develop what we call field hubs. Field hubs are these modern-day... Antioch or Ephesus, these major cities or areas that there's a stable gospel movement that's strong, but it's surrounded by unengaged or unreached people groups. So it's places that we have legitimate access to. We can send you to tomorrow if you want, and and if we think it's right in the Holy Spirit, we can send you to there, 
you can show up and land, and then you can be a part of a community that's training and reaching and mobilizing missionaries to go to these unreached people groups and to engage unengaged people groups for the first time. So it's a collaborative partnership between us here. This is our home hub and a network of uh, practitioners here. We get to send into a couple different field hubs that are we can have access to. You can go there. You can land there. You can live there and eat there and, and not fear for your life too much, depending on the field hub you're sent to. Uh, but then we get to be a part of advancing the kingdom in that area and locale and strategize and collaborate with our field hub partners how we can reach unreached people groups nearby and engage unengaged people groups for the first time. So we have two main field hubs. Uh, the first field hub that we've adopted is one in South Asia. This is uh, with one of our friends, Kumar. God's used him in incredible ways. He was a former Hindu priest that came to God in a radical way and has been lit up for Jesus ever since. In the last 12 or 13 years, he's planted over a million churches throughout um, uh, South Asia. Most of that uh, reaching unreached people groups and engaging unengaged people groups for the first time. As a movement, just and as a network now in just the last year, they've engaged almost 300 formally unengaged, unengaged unreached people groups who hadn't heard of the gospel for the first time. They've engaged three, almost 300, 291. That's over a million people hearing the gospel, over 100,000 people coming to Christ and being baptized, and over 12,000 churches started in these places that never had a witness before. In the last year... In the last year. So we've gotten to work with him. I've gotten to train overseas, be in his hub, meet his leaders, train with his leaders, go out in the jungles with his leaders where they've planted these churches. He's come here to BC. He's uh, spoken to us before. He's lived in our house. This is an awesome vetted guy. This is an awesome vetted field hub. It's one of the most fruitful places on earth right now. And that is, has a focus and priority of engaging unengaged people groups and for the first time reaching unreached people groups that hadn't heard. So Uganda, um, South Asia is one of our field hubs. Our other field hub is Uganda. And that's a collaboration of several different people, including the Ways, who are from our own family here. Uh, but BC has a long history, decades, of being invested into Uganda, another really fruitful hub. And again, a safe place for us to go. It's not illegal for you to preach the gospel, but the harvest is plentiful there. And it's really close to the North African border where there's a lot of unreached people groups and unengaged people groups. And even in Uganda itself, there's some UUPGs. Uh, so this, this field hub is reaching any, everybody from uh, um, church leaders and pastors. We're training them and equipping them to get involved in the work to street kids that are, are born on the street and raised in poverty and uh, drug addicts and people in prostitution. And we're also reaching UUPGs and UPGs there. So just one story about this. We, uh, three years ago, we went and we collaborated with one of our field hub partners there, a group called All Nations, and we're helping to train some of their leaders to train others. One of these young ladies named Alice and so we got to train Alice. She was a part of the training. She had it on her heart to reach a nearby unreached people group, the Menin tribe. So after a year, God was able to prepare her and send her to reach, to take an exploratory journey to the Menin tribe. She showed up, asked the elders of the tribe, hey, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
I'm come, I would love to bring the good news of Jesus here. Would you allow me to do this? The elder said yes. So she came and she lived there for two or three months, started sharing the gospel. God showed up. People started coming to Jesus. A few of them she trained and then sent them back into their tribe as missionaries. Now today, just a couple years later, there's, uh, they've got three national missionaries, three menings that are not just believers but are missionaries to their own people group. There's five churches that are started, and she's continuing to work with them and resource them and provide some help for them. So that's how this stuff works, right? This is how this is happening. And these are some field hub opportunities we have right now. We hope to grow that more in the future, but we want to focus on these two as we begin to establish. I want to invite Vic up just to share some practical ways that we can just get involved even right now. Thank you, brother. So where does that leave us as a church? You've heard some amazing stories, testimonies. You know, you may be thinking, I don't have a passport. But before we grab a passport, what Jesus is asking from each one of us is the condition of our hearts. You know, it, it's not, I still have not met, I've been doing this for 38 years. I have still to meet one heathen person that tells another heathen, do you know Jesus? It's our job. It's our job. And mission starts right outside that window, those doors. So what's our practical involvement? Real quick, I'm just going to go. You heard Michelle advocacy. It's amazing. It's amazing. Talk to her. Hands on the nation. Imagination celebration. International students. Ask Jerry Loud. Mission tracking. Ask Dane. You just heard about it. Mission residency. Short terms. Fill hubs. Different connections. Opportunities to visit missionaries. Matt and Michelle Stavnos went to visit our dear friends in Peru. That's a great opportunity. Go consider do it a combination of visit a missionary and take a time off and enjoy the country. And then one to the other ministries, a ministry that, uh, yeah, I kind of a little biased about it. So uh, it is an opportunity for each one of us to go on missions. You don't have to be a teenager alone. You can become as a family. And why don't you roll the video, please? I want to give you the opportunity of just getting a taste of what going on one to the other ministry is. This summer, we had the opportunity of taking a team of 34 people, and we went to New York and Connecticut. We also have medical opportunities to go and bring, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, thank you, Erica. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, so many of you that come on missions, medical missions with us. If you are not a doctor, but you can pray, you qualify. Thank you, Israel. Thank you, Fusion, so much. Give them a hand for just being able to say, here I am, send me. This is the team ministering in the heart of New York City. This is Times Square. This was this summer. These are part of your community. This is our family going to where it's difficult, where it's complicated, to share the gospel. We're, we were able to, a dream come true for me personally. For 30 years, I've been wanting to connect on the field 
with Keith Wheeler, and he was either somewhere in the world and I was somewhere else in the world. But for the first time in 30 years, we were able to carry the cross in UConn, University of Connecticut. Medical missions this summer, we went for the first time to the Pacific coast of Mexico in Mazatlan, and we were able to take $21,000 worth of medicine to, medical, to, to very needed communities and villages. So the opportunities out there, passport, yes, it may be required, but what Jesus is requiring from you is, here I am, send me. Thank you. Thanks, Vic. Awesome. Hey, let's stand together. <laughs> I'm going to ask the mission team to come back up front, and, and they're going to just kind of spread out and just make themselves available. If you want to uh, pray tonight, if you'd like prayer, if you have questions, if the Lord is stirring your heart and you're going like, oh, I know that God is, is doing something in my heart. Um, for, for all of us right now, there's just one simple question. Lord, what is mine to do? What is it that you're calling me to do? Who, who are the people that, that don't know? Maybe, you know, it may be across your street. It may be across your cubicle. It may be across the ocean. I don't know, but God does. He knows your heart. He's preparing you for such a time as this. Friends and family, we know the condition of our world, right? They will not get any better apart from an encounter with Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords. And so um, I want you just to bow your heart for a minute. And I want you just to take a moment and I want you to ask the Lord this question Am I free to go? Am I free to serve? Am I free? Look inside your heart. What's, what's holding you? Is it fear? Is it, is it, is it uh, debt? <laughs> That's why we do, we, we, uh, we do financial peace so we can live generously with our lives, not just our money, but with our time and our resources. That's one of the ways that we obey Jesus so we can be near him and be like him. So take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what is mine to do? And am I free? It may be something that the Lord has spoken to you before and over and over and over again, and you know that there's something for you to do. For some of you, it may be... Um, what you hear the Lord say, what is mine to do? Just to get ready. Are, are, are we willing to go? My friend Floyd McClung used to say, are, are, you know, let's be willing to go, but prepared, I mean, prepared to go, but willing to stay. You know, many, as uh, Dane said, many of us are going to stay right here, but can we live with the passion and the vision and the mission of seeing every tribe and every tongue come to know Jesus. So Lord, help us. We need your Holy Spirit. Come and baptize us again that we might be your witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. We love you and we bless you. I'm going to ask Stacy, 
Baumgartner, where are you? Stacy? Come on, real quick. How, how um, apropos that today, uh, Stacy texted me before. Stacy uh, is a dancer, right? And what I love about dancers is that dancers get to, everybody gets to play, everybody gets to participate. Stacy got trained with Tread, and on Tuesday she's leaving for Norway to, to work with uh, YWAM and, and to serve the Lord through her, her dance and share the gospel. She's a powerful witness for the Lord. So why, not, why don't we end today by commissioning a missionary, right? How does that sound? So stretch your hands out, friends. And Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for Stacy and her faithfulness, her longing, Lord. Even the sacrifice that, that no one else in this room will know, but the sacrifices that she has made to say yes to you, to say no to things that... that are good things, but to say yes to you. And so, Lord, we bless her with provision and finance. We bless her, Lord, with health and strength. And we pray, Lord, as a body of believers, we send her and we say, go in the authority of Jesus Christ. And we bless you and we thank God for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hmm? Missions Connect, right. If, um, if you want to find out more, uh, we're going to have, uh, on October 2nd, we're going to have a Mission Connect uh, luncheon right after church. And so that'll be a time if you're like, hey, I really want to get involved, come and find out more. Uh, and Dane is also launching a missionary residency starting this Wednesday night. And it's a beautiful way of just connecting with other like-minded, like-hearted believers who are like, hey, I think I'm supposed to maybe really uh, give my life. I don't even know where I'm supposed to go. But it's practical ways of just training, equipping, and connecting, and praying, and seeking God together. This is something we don't do just on our own, but we seek and discern God together, right? God, where do you have us? Where, as a body, it is such a joy to be a part of a a mission-minded community that loves Jesus and is willing to take him wherever, whenever, and whatever it looks like. So these guys are here. Come. Um, you guys can spread out a little bit. But if you want prayer, come. Let these guys pray for you or talk with them or answer questions. Thanks for, for letting us bend your ear. Missionaries will talk forever. And so that's what you get on Mission Sunday. God bless you. <laughs>